0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. Today we are having a raging storm, and right now it looks very sunny outside, but it is so windy and my electricity keeps going off and on. So if I disappear, that will be what's happened. My power went out. I will try to come back in as soon as I can one of those days, right? It is kind of one of those weeks, even Uh, I was looking deeply into the astrology of the day going, well, why is this happening? And I got to say, this isn't even like the most crazy of the days of the week. So perhaps those of you that live further east of the West Coast need to be really watchful of the weather as the week goes on, uh, because when we have wild and wicked weather, it kind of builds steam as it moves further east. And you all may be uh, the recipients of it next. So let's see. We've got a lot of people out here this morning. You guys all beat me because I couldn't get my computer to behave. And uh, it was decided it didn't recognize my camera. It didn't recognize my mouse. It did, all because I did a restart over the weekend. Uh, good morning to Susie Gemini and JLo and awesome Tanya and... Kajella and Tom, hello to you. And uh, Debbie Tibbetts, Tumiel, Lisa Kaplan, Mer- Monique Alexander, Erica, great to see all of you this morning. Pam Zaruba, good to see you. So it's nice to have you all here. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. Mine was pretty active. Uh, it was, as you know, Terry and my uh, 40th wedding anniversary, and our kids decided that they were going to surprise us. So we were sort of kidnapped and taken away and we had no idea where we were going. And my daughter was doing all of these weird things in the car, like taking us on, you know, back trails and things like, so I couldn't figure it out. She knows me, I would have figured it out. And they took us to uh, a place in Bellingham, which is just about, I don't know, 25 miles north of me, where they have an escape room. And if you don't have escape rooms where you are, it's uh, like a big puzzle. You have to figure out how to get yourself out of this room. And uh, mostly there are clues that are behind locks. And you have to figure out how to open the lock. You have to get the code for the lock because they're the kind that either have numbers or letters that unlock the, the locks. So there were eight of us. And between the eight of us, we managed, you get one hour to get yourself out of the escape room. And we did it in 42 minutes. It was pretty fun. That was fun. I was so unexpected, not something that I would have expected to do on a Sunday afternoon on my anniversary, but OMG, it was so much fun. And then we went out to dinner and uh, to Chuckanut Manor, which is just a beautiful restaurant that's been um, a a place where my son worked. his first job out of high school and anyway it was just it was a magical day and then they bought us tickets to go on a dinner cruise uh so you all know this end of the week i'm going to idaho and we're going to be staying in northern in the panhandle part of idaho in a town called wallace but uh, because it's got really good bike riding trails. And so that's where we decided we wanted to stay. But Lake Coeur d'Alene isn't that far away. And we're going on a dinner cruise on Lake Coeur d'Alene. So uh, that was a gift from our family for us. It was so <laughs> so surprising and so much fun. It was just an amazing day. So I had a great weekend. But as well on Saturday, uh, Saturday was a day where I spent a lot of time kind of uh, studying. That's not necessarily the word I want to use, but I've really been trying to dive deep into uh, galactic astrology, which, if you guys have heard of star seeds astrology or galactic astrology, it's where we're looking at the uh, galaxies and the star systems and the fixed stars, even um, to see where our souls have arisen from. So for example, you can look in uh, a star seeds report and eventually I'm going to offer this for people. So the report itself will be free, but you kind of have to, you almost have to have somebody that can read the chart for you. So it'll eventually become a reading as well. Um, where if you look at the placement of your planets, um, in reverse order. So instead of going from the sun outward to Pluto, you're going to go from Pluto inward to the sun. And it will help you determine what, from what system your soul arose, which gives your soul some characteristics. Now, remember on Friday, we talked about uh, the soul's purpose, right? And we went through eight different purposes. Well, I also had a moment on Sunday Saturday, not Sunday, where I realized there's a ninth one. There's a ninth one. And I know what it is. I just don't know how it fits into the same description. So I will be bringing that in. And that made so much sense to me, because I felt the whole time something was missing. And now I know what was missing. And I'll be And that was, um, I can tell you what was missing, it was divine inspiration. So we had communication and wisdom and truth and order and love and uh, compassion, but, uh, and two others, I just don't remember what they are at the moment, but the one that was missing that's been like screaming at me all uh, since I talked to you about it on, on Friday is divine inspiration. So I just need to bring in what that means and how that describes the soul. And then, so if some of you who were listening to that broadcast uh, or have listened to it since didn't see yourself in one of those uh, eight that we talked about, or maybe you saw, uh, you know, some of yourself in one, there may be the possibility that you were part of this other um, uh, soul purpose. So, wow, it's just been sort of one of those times in my life where all of this new stuff is coming in. And I don't know how to put it all together yet in a coherent way <clears throat> to make it available to all of you, but trust me when I say I will get there. And um, Janet, how does this work with North Node in traditional astrology? Well, the North Node in this gives you an idea of where your destiny arose. Like what what is the soul trying to accomplish, right? And it is. Uh, for example, in my own uh, star chart, it was Regulus, Regulus, which is uh, in the heart of Leo. I have a 29 degree North node and a 29 degree South node, South node being in Aquarius, North node being in Leo. And here is um, a, di- a dilemma in trying to live out your heart's desire and to, to be able to be self expressive. And remember, if you guys were here on Friday, my sole purpose uh, or path was five, which was divine communication. So divine communication, self-expression, trying to find my own path of that self-expression. And I think I do it naturally sometimes, but then my head gets involved and I get all screwed up in my head. Well, mostly because I'm a thinker as well. And so I'm always thinking about, well... How should I say what I'm going to say? How how do I present this to people? All of that starts going on in my head. And the more that my head is involved, the further away I'm getting from my heart. So you guys have all seen my sheets in the morning, right? I usually have all of this writing on here. And I've discovered over time that I rarely am going by exactly what I've written here. So there's a part of me, I think, with that north node that has to just be able to go with the flow, whatever that might be in terms of what I'm going to express that day. Now, you all may have a North node that is, we, we'd have to look at the holistic picture, right? The North node is telling you the trajectory that your, your soul is moving in. And it also gives us the description then of how that soul is going to play out in this lifetime, right? So not only do we have a star system that it is um, arising from, but we also have then the purpose that you have for it in this lifetime as seen through the zodiac sign, but also through your human design, right? Your human design is also going to give you clues as to how it is you're meant to live out your North node. And then the South node, is also showing you sort of the things that you naturally are inclined, the tools that you're naturally inclined to use, the way that you're naturally inclined to try to solve problems or to get ahead in this life. But because it's literally showing you the past, you have to be able to move from that south node inclination into the north node. So it does kind of show a trajectory, like a straight line to, uh, where you're meant to be able to express yourself. So that's such a great, great question because, um, everybody has, you know, a North node, everybody has a South node and sometimes, and this I've seen already a couple of times when you look at your, um, Star Seeds report, the North and the South node aren't sitting anywhere. Like there's no major star system that it's sitting at. And I don't know exactly what that means, but that that's forced me to go in and look at what the more minor star systems are. Maybe someone that has a chart like that is more self-determined in this life. Like maybe there wasn't such a set plan and that kind of uh, because remember last weekend, I sort of came across something that I, I'm not sure I've totally introduced to you all, but what type of life purpose do you have? And I got it into about four main types of life purposes. Well, one of those types of life purpose is a purpose of no purpose, right? Purpose, no purpose. So maybe someone who has a North node and a South node that's not particularly driven by a star system or not quite um, contained in a specific thing um, that maybe the type of life purpose you would have in that case is one where whatever it is that you're doing, whoever it is that you're with is absolutely appropriate for your purpose in that moment. There's not a decided purpose, right? And it's so interesting that we're talking about this this morning because the moon today is in Taurus. In fact, when I pulled my chart this morning, the moon was conjunct the north node. <laughs> so funny, right? So here I have these notes about what we're here to talk about today, but we end up talking about what's really pertinent. And that is the moon conjunct the north node. Remember, the moon brings us to our internal, right? Our our inner self, our emotional self, but also is a timekeeper, a timekeeper. So the moon may be telling us at this point, this time for this particular Conversation, right? This conversation. And uh, the moon, of course, is um, right now at the later degrees because the north node is at 22 degrees. So the moon is at 23 degrees. 23 degrees is an important degree this week to pay attention to, as Jupiter and Neptune are going to be in a conjunction at 23 degrees, but in Pisces. And so the 23rd degree in our charts are kind of lit up, right? All the way around. And um, at this moment in time, the, the moon is in forward motion or it's you know moving. But later this evening, uh, 6.53 p.m. my time. So 9.53 for those of you in the Eastern time zones, it is going to move into the void and be the wanderer for the next few hours and then move into Gemini. So the energy today will be different than the energy of tomorrow as the moon tomorrow is going to take us into the area of communication and movement today, it's got that uh, wobbly feel, but the moon in human design is at the gate eight, which is a gate that meets up with the identity center and takes it to the throat center for communication. And so the gate one is on the identity center, the yellow, or if it's in your chart, if it's open, it's white. So the yellow diamond or the white diamond It's at the point of that diamond and it's life purpose. That's what the gate one is about. What is my purpose? And then when it meets up with the gate eight, the gate eight is the gate of contribution. So this is my contribution based on my life purpose. And that can be different for everybody, right? But it brings your purpose up to the throat for expression and manifestation. So all of us are sort of in that groove today Even if you don't have the gate one, you may be attracting people to you today that are wanting what you have or are questioning you about their life purpose or uh, what is it that they are here to do. So it's kind of an interesting day to look at uh, all of these different things. So Susie says, I have Aldebaran. That is rough. Actually, it is good. Actually, it is good. And, you know, there's... um, Tanya, we can figure, we don't have to figure yours out. We can do this. <laughs> we just have to go to your Akashic Records and we can pull it out. That's exactly how I found mine. I just went to the Akashic Records. I use a pendulum. So here's my, my pendulum, snowflake obsidian up at the top and obsidian down at the bottom. And you can uh, douse for it if you know how to do that. And uh, if if you don't, then hit me up. I I can help you do that because you do want to know eventually what that is, like, what is my purpose? And uh, what's the life path that I'm here? So, um, and also, Tanya, maybe yours is more of the divine inspiration, one that I hadn't brought through on on Friday. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, But there was some place I was going with this when I decided to look back. Uh, Oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, Actually, you earned that for your chart past lives. Maybe, 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 maybe. Um, Is it common to have the same sign for both South Node and Ascendant? Also same sign for Moon and North Node. It's not that it's that common, Christine, but anytime when I look at somebody's chart and I see the South Node in close proximity of a planet or an angle, so the Ascendant, Descendant, Midheaven or uh, Nadir, then you have to you have to sort of explore what past life themes there might be for that person in their life. So for example, what I see um when I see the south node conjunct a capricorn ascendant, let's say, or uh a saturn uh saturn as a planet, I often think of past lives likely with the military or in um some forms of institutions. So maybe government, maybe, um, education or a health system, some kind of, of institution. And if we, if we're looking linearly at lifetimes and we go back further and further, it's likely institutions like the monarchy or a part of the military, um, and maybe, you know, the law, the government, that kind of thing. So, those are karmic signatures if you will that give us a clue as to the who the relationships might be or the people that show up in your life and the likelihood that you are finishing some sort of karma with them in this lifetime like for example let's say uh you have the saturn connection to the south node or a capricorn south node or it can be other uh, types of things but there was a uh, a war type situation, you maybe were uh killed in battle before you got to finish out your life path. um, and perhaps the person that that was doing the the killing in the war was someone now you have karma with in this lifetime or reversing that, and you were the one that killed someone and then that left unfulfilled karma. That is just an example, right? I'm not saying that that's truth for you at all, Christine, because I, I don't know what yours actually looks like. Um, or any of you by that way, I see Erica has a South node in Capricorn with both moon and Mars in Capricorn. So very likely that some kind of situation like that unfulfilled karma and the people that show up in your life are helping you fulfill that in some way. Now, karma is, I don't look at karma as, um, Punitive, right? I, I just have never been able to get on board with that. You caused someone's death. So in this lifetime, they cause your death kind of thing. I don't go there. I just feel like that there wasn't something completely fulfilled in the interaction or in the uh, life that in this lifetime you know it's all about balance right that's what karma is about so if you you know have a lifetime that was a lot of death and destruction then this lifetime is likely going to be one of life and construction right because it's got to come out in in a balance so um the south node then often you know with planets around it is going to point us to what were some of the likely interactions you had with some people And depending on how all of that looks, because it can be connected by all kinds of different strands of, of connection, like in the aspects. So a trine, a sextile, a square, an opposition, a conjunction, that kind of thing. And when I see the moon conjunct the the South node, often that is a karmic relationship. Somehow that went through the feminine line. So sisters, mothers, best friends, uh, some kind of emotion, not fulfilled or not finished that comes up in this lifetime. So maybe issues with the, the feminine, uh, with the women in in your lives. Now, whether that's man or a woman's chart, it can be equally the moon represents the divine feminine. So we have, you know, maybe issues there that had happened. Now, today we have something unique. And sometimes this might happen in people's charts, too, where the north node and the moon, are very close indeed to where the last lunar eclipse was. Now, if I was looking at that in a chart of somebody's birth, that would be the lunar eclipse is going to show us the the path of learning because a prenatal lunar eclipse is going to give us the the tone of the lessons. In this case, if this were a person, it would be a 27 degree Taurus um, eclipse prenatal eclipse so this would be for somebody being born since uh, this last eclipse happened and that gives us a clue that for sure these people or the, the 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 archetype that the moon is playing and the north node is playing has to do with previous lifetimes so can we look at today's chart and see the placement of the moon north node and the prenatal lunar eclipse which takes us back to a lunar eclipse that happened in december Does that tell us in some way, November, excuse me, does that tell us something about what we might be experiencing as lessons collectively, even um, in the next few days before we get to the next eclipse, which also happens to be this month, right? April 30th is when we have the first or 29th, Nope, 30th is when we have the first lunar or first eclipse of the year. And it's a solar eclipse so whatever has been closing down in our life over the last four months is getting ready to um, have a new beginning with that new moon solar eclipse at the end of this month april 30th so i guess the bottom line is these are complex things that we're looking at now we can also take a look then at the star system that those planets were in so Again, we'll just use today's model of of the moon conjunct the north node. Now, the moon is at 22 degrees or 23 degrees. The north node is at 22 degrees, 55 minutes. So they're literally on top of one another. If I go into um, a a place and find what, uh, let's just see. Let's see if I can't trace it down for us. There's a wonderful site called um, Astrology King astrologyking.com. And let me see if I can share my screen and show you what um, that looks like. Oops, I can't share my screen from there. I have to go over here. There we go. Share. So is that a Chrome tab? It is. So I was looking up Um, fixed star Markov this morning. So somebody please let me know if you can see my screen and I'm going to change my screen a bit. So I want to make sure that you guys are seeing my screen moving around. So uh, somebody hit me up by text or uh, chat and tell me if you can see my screen. And so when you go, I'm going to just hit the back button because I went there from a listing. You're not going to let me, are you? fixed stars. So he has up here at the top fixed stars. And I can click on that probably could have done it from the other screen too. And I can go down. If you scroll down, you have a fixed stars list. And we are at I was talking about 22 and 23 degrees of Taurus. So if we look up here, I see there are two stars that are pretty close, 23 and 24. Let's just use this one, which I've never heard of this star, but it's called Zaurak. If you click on it, because they're all clickable, you can see where it is. And it happens to be in the um, uh, Eridanus constellation. And that is a serpent, apparently, right? And it is uh, the star Gamma Eridani. And it tells you about the star. And it will also tell you what the star's uh, character is. And then the more you know, you you start to figure out more about what is the constellation about. It's called the river, ah. With the exception of Ashinar, it's like Saturn. So this gives us some really interesting information about the star, so uh, about the fixed star. Now, this is of course, you know, just giving you extra information. This isn't, this isn't the, you know, final disposition of everything to do with who you are. Uh, but it just gives you some more information. It feeds you. Um, you know, if you, if you're you're not sure about something, go find more information. Tom says, holy cow. I just saw my first live in-person Cardinal in the backyard. Cardinals, a reminder that this is an opportunity to recognize the importance of discovering life's purpose. How funny. There are no accidents. You're absolutely right, Tom. It's so fun to see life do this, right? Um, Sylvester, hello. It's good to see you. He says, I have Aquarius sun and Aquarius north node. My south node is in Leo. So, okay. You and me are opposite then, Sylvester, because I have my North node in Leo and my South node in Aquarius. So a North node in Aquarius is a lifetime where you are um, coming into more and more group or community level identification. Leo on the other side is more about self-expression and following one's own heart. But the Aquarius North node is the heart of the group. Or the heart of the community. So, in your case, you're coming out of lifetimes perhaps of self expression, being sort of on your own, or, um, uh, you know, having uh, to follow your own heart. And now it's more that you have to follow your heart into the group think, into being more community oriented, finding yourself more and more involved with others. And because the North Node, is activated, at least through human design, we see the North Node activation at around age 40. So I think of it as activating anywhere from about age 39 to 42, 38 to 42, uh, because that is a time in our life where we're coming to our Uranus opposition Right, our midlife crisis. So often the north node becomes a louder drumbeat as you get closer and closer to age 40. I'm watching this happen with my oldest daughter right now and her husband. As they, he's already 40, she's 30, she'll be 39 this year. And, you know, I, I see her struggling more and more to find her voice, find herself. So depending on how old you are, Sylvester, you are likely, because I think you are probably. Let's see, you're going to be about nine years younger than me, I would guess. So you've already come through your midlife redirect or crisis and are now at the other side in um, the point where you are adopting more and more and more of that Aquarius North node. So we could, if we take that degree that your Aquarius North node is at, then we can trace it to a star and a star system. And we can trace it to a gate in your human design. So what we get to do is like we're dialing in this picture, right? It's like having a, a camera or a telescope. And we're zooming in closer and closer into who you are, right? By all of these detailed pieces. And it's a process. Again, it doesn't always happen like right in the moment. It, it Sometimes it comes in ahas, like Tom with his, you know, aha with the cardinal and, uh, I've had plenty of ahas and synchronicities and things that have shown up that have just like blown my mind, telling me what direction to move in and so forth. Um, so we're we're just refining, 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 refining. And if you know the degrees of your north node in Aquarius Sylvester, then we can look in a human design. A book that lists all of the degrees and what gate they are um, associated with. And we, or we can pull a chart in genetic matrix and we can get all of that information and we can get a complete picture of who you are. Now there's also another type. I was wanted to go back to somebody who was talking about Aldebaran. Uh, who was that? Somebody, somebody, um, You might have to jump in and tell me because I have, I can't go back. Hi, Leilani. Uh, But anyway, whoever was talking about Aldebaran and or Aldebaran. um, There's another type of, I'm not sure how to describe this word. So I'm trying to find another word. Uh, There's another type of galactic report that we can get for you. And instead of it tracking planets in your chart, it tracks the, the star systems that were on your angles, the angles being the ascendant, descendant, mid heaven, and the nadir at the time of your birth, and then watching how they move throughout your entire lifetime. So it gives us like these three specific times in your life where stars are, star systems are coming into prominence in your life. So for example, um, you, it also gives you your, your helical rising and setting star, which can tell us a lot about what may be career or purpose, how you're going to put your purpose to work for you in your lifetime, as well as kind of the spiritual purpose behind this lifetime. And that becomes, these two uh, become the the strongest um, expressions of energy in in your life as far as star systems are concerned. So for example, I have an Aldebaran um, rising uh, and I have at Aldebaran and Arcturus setting or vice versa. Cause I can't remember which. So it gives you a star, like a star or a system that is going to give you your purposes. Now it's a little harder to express because it isn't a specific, like I can't say, Oh yeah, your sun is here. And, and, and it's not specific to the exact degree of your rising sign either because the fixed stars, or they move differently right they're not moving as quickly um so for example a rising sign changes about every 2 hours an hour and a half to 2 hours so that's why it's always so important for us to have an exact birth time because we want to dial in that rising sign pretty pretty um uh exactly if we can so instead the this is called a paran p a r a n So it gives us sort of the alignment that your rising and your descendant, uh, because that would be the opposite point, right? The rising and descendant sit across. So in my case, like I said, it was our, our, dang it. I don't, I got to make sure, hold on, because I don't, in my case, it was up here. So my heliacal rising star is Aldebaran, which happens to be the eye of the bull. So it's in Taurus, this, the constellation of Taurus. And my setting is Arcturus. So that is the more spiritual expression of who I am. And the other one being because it's more hidden, right? The descendant is the part of you that is hidden. And the other part of you is the more expressive you which for me happens to be Aldebaran. So it is, there's just so much, right? Um, that one is a report that I actually have the software on the software rights to, so I can provide that for you. And it's pretty in depth and pretty easy to understand without ha- you might not understand like, well, what does she mean by parent? Um, but there is a little bit of an explanation. This is, um, a system that uh, I have not yet put on my website, but will be putting on my website for people to be able to request their report. So lots of things coming, right? And I'm I'm feeling I don't know if you guys are feeling kind of crunched too, but the first planet to go retrograde happens on uh, April 29th, and that is uh, when Pluto turns retrograde. And we've been, you know, without a retrograde planet since what January 18th. So it's been, you know, open, open, open to new action and things like that. So I'm feeling a little bit of a time crunch to get some of this stuff out because of that retrograde coming up. Not that that retrograde is going to stop me from doing, you know, new things, but like I want to take advantage of this time period that we have with all this new stuff. Um, So anyway, Susie had Aldebaran. Uh, So uh, Susie. Uh, well, you're, you're a Gemini, aren't you? So maybe it has something to do with, uh, because remember we might be Gemini's, but if we were to correct the Zodiac for the precession of the equinoxes, right over time, how the planets have moved, um, we may actually be Taurus, right? So that may be why that is coming up as, as Taurus and, uh, in the constellation of Taurus. So constellations are different from zodiac signs now. They used to be the same, but now they're different because the uh, precession of the equinoxes, and that's that's a different subject altogether. But we have astrology has not kept current to the way the sky actually looks at night. So when we see a planet in a specific sign, it's not necessarily in the constellation. So interesting stuff, right? Corey, wasn't Pluto retrograde recently or did I make that up? You made that up, Corey. That's good. That's okay. <laughs> Pluto is actually retrograde about five and a half months out of the year. So it wasn't all that long ago. So if we go back five or six months, he that's where he ended his retrograde. I want to say it was in November. And uh, now he'll be retrograde starting April 29th and will be another five months before he changes direction again. So if all the planets to go retrograde at the end of the month, Um, And to start, but it starts that retrograde parade because not long after it'll be Saturn and then Jupiter, we have a Mercury retrograde coming up. And so the retrograde season is upon us, if you will, Um, uh, coming, coming soon to our neighborhoods, right? Uh, Sylvester, that's so wild, Janet, I really do start to feel that I moved from my parents' house to a house with my family. Yeah, there's, um, there's, there's a lot of what's June 2nd, Pam? I think that's that's the when the that's when Mercury's retrograde next retrograde ends. Mercury's retrograde. Um, so we got way off schedule here today, didn't we? Uh, questions about anything else? Go ahead and put those in here. Um, JLo says, okay, I'm ready. My Pluto is naturally retrograde. Mine is two. Mine is two. A lot of us would have it. Uh, No, that's, oh no, she must have, it might be a typo because Pluto's retrograde begins April 29th. And then uh, it is on June 2nd, Mercury's retrograde ends because uh, Mercury will move direct. So maybe she just made a typo there. Ooh, I'll have to let her know. Uh, Anyway, so Pluto's coming up retrograde. And when we look at the April events, so let's just look at April right now since we're there and we can still we can still play in the other territories if we want to. Um, we started the month already with the new moon, right? That was on Friday, Thursday, Friday, depending on your time zone. And over the weekend, we had Mercury conjunct uh, the sun, which is the harbinger of the next retrograde period, right? So that represents the halfway point. So this time, the halfway point, Mercury conjunct sun was uh, halfway to the next retrograde. And uh, then we'll have another Mercury conjunct the sun when it's halfway to the point of the um, direct, right? So we we have these different things along the way, the hallmarks that tell us, oh, this is coming. So on Saturday, we had Mercury conjunct uh, the sun that tells us that there are new messages coming up. It's almost time. In fact, April 26th, you can circle that date. That is the day that Mercury moves into the shadow of his next retrograde, and that will be at 26 degrees of Taurus. And I know a couple of you have birthdays right there around April 23rd. JLo, you and Debbie Tippett's Tumiel, and I think there's another person out there too with an April 23rd that listens to us. And that means that your birthdays are going to be in the pre shadow of mercury's retrograde um but that puts you know a lot of the sun's efforts this year for you in the same area of the chart that mercury is going to go retrograde so that taurus energy is going to be very important for you as the the year goes on the actual retrograde though for mercury is may 10th to june 2nd on june 3rd he stations direct and moves into the retro shade, which is that period of time after the retrograde. And that will last from June 3rd until June 18th. So uh, Tom, you miss the retrograde. I miss the whole damn thing. Yay for me, except I have mercury retrograde by birth. So doesn't really matter. I'm still a retrograde mercury person. Um, so when we are talking degrees, we're talking about 26 degrees of Taurus to four degrees of gemini and then moved four degrees gemini backwards to 26 degrees taurus so that's the span for those of you who had uh, astrology of 2022 readings we talked about that i showed it to you in your chart if you still have your copy of your chart you can see exactly where that is occurring so that's something that we want to think about but not worry about yet because it's not necessarily happening this month but for awareness sakes right We're looking at moving from air signs, so the intellect and uh, thoughts and thinking and all of that backwards to earth signs. So the practical expression of what's been happening with our thoughts and our minds, right? So keep that in mind as you are looking at your charts. Now on the week today, today, we have Mars conjunct Saturn. And uh, over the weekend, we had Venus conjuncts, or this week, we have Venus conjunct Saturn. And that's because remember, these guys are moving very close to one another. So they're both in the process of conjuncting Saturn, which brings the energy of what Venus or Mars represents to Saturn, which is to form and function and to uh, making of a foundation. So if it's Mars conjunct Saturn, we're bringing our actions into construction, right? So we have to, we have to take our action, make our actions match our goals. If you will, Saturn also rules goals and the, um, steps that we need to take to get to where we want to go. So Mars conjunct Saturn says, okay, it's time take action, right? Move, (laughs) do something. Venus conjunct Saturn is bringing our relationships and the things that, you know, I, I, I would, um, Tom, I'm going to use you as an example, right? Because uh, you entered into a new relationship while Venus was in retrograde, I believe, or just before the retrograde. And then actually, you know, decided, you know, that you were going to become a couple. You actually changed up your entire life during this period of time by moving. Now, by the time you did that, Venus was out of retrograde, but she was still moving through this energy conjuncting with Mars. And now you have both Venus and Mars coming together with Saturn. So now is the time where the adjustment has to start to happen, right? You might be finding yourself trying to fit into somebody else's schedule, somebody else's time, somebody else's, um, uh, boundaries, somebody else's home in this case, right? That, you know, where's my place in all of this. And now it's time for you to take the action. That's going to make that home yours as well, right? Living in the home and being in the relationship. And Venus conjunct Saturn can start to bring up the weakest points in the relationship that, um, or the strengths even that you want to build upon. So I hope you don't mind me using you in that case, but that can gives us a great thing about how we can look at these transits over the course of time. And often it's always it's always in the, in the retrospect, right? That we can really see it more clearly retrospect. I can say, okay, you entered into this relationship or you started, you know, the flirting process way back before Venus or when Venus was in retrograde. So it was kind of a going back to a love of the past, a love meaning a love interest in the past, which he did. And then bringing that forward into the now, and then building something upon that and now taking action, trying to fit that new life into a new form and function. So there's that. Uh, Yeah. And, uh, and so in our own lives, you can look back at how, you know, what things have been trying to come in and what, what have you been initiating um, and, or ideas of that are in your mind of things that you want to do. I have a lot of things in my mind that I want to do, but now it's going to be time to put that out into the real world, right? So I've started that already by communication, but now I actually have to put it out there into the physical. So we're bringing things into life, right? Into birth, Um, Now, as we move on into April, Venus is going to move into Pisces, by the way, and that's kind of the hallmark of the cutting of Mars and Venus's conjunction as she moves into a different sign, leaving Mars in uh, Aquarius still. And then um, April 7th through 10th, we have a bunch of Mercury activations. So the 7th is this Thursday through the 10th, which is on Sunday. So these Mercury activations, Mercury is the planet of the mind and of communication, of short trips, that kind of thing, the traveling, uh, restlessness, action, uh, wanting to, to you know, spring forth. Um, and those Mercury activations are on April 7th, where we have Mercury in a sextile to Saturn and a sextile is a good placement, right? These guys are going to work well together. And then the next day, on the eighth, Mercury in a sextile to Mars. So we have we have you know the, the Mercury now sort of building upon the Saturn conjunct Mar or Mars conjunct Saturn and Venus conjunct Saturns. And then on the tenth Sunday, uh, Mercury comes into a square with Pluto, and that's a tension, challenging sort of connection where the mind and transformation. Uh, energies aren't quite happening, uh, or where we're challenged to 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 change our minds, right? Or to change the way that we think. So we're we're sort of moving through a dark period, maybe just for a few hours, literally, as Mercury, you know, is you know faster moving. And in that process, we come to a place where we understand that we need to change our minds, right? To to do something, releasing old thought processes even releasing the words that we've been using to describe ourselves or to describe things in our lives, changing that up. So there's that. Then the best part of the whole month and why this month I think is so freaking awesome is that we have this beautiful Jupiter conjunct Neptune happening from about April 9th through 15th. So I'm bracketing it. The actual conjunction is on April 12th, so that'll be uh, a week from tomorrow. So that's the exact day, but you know how these transits go. They don't really happen in that kind of way. They start earlier, they come together, and then there's the waning aspect. So from about the 9th to the 15th. And even today, Jupiter's at 22 degrees, 5 minutes. Neptune at 23 degrees, 42 minutes. They're, they're, They're within a degree of one another. So you could even say that through the beginning of this whole entire month, this has been building, right? And this is where we're expanding on our spiritual awareness, our spiritual connection, where we're really seeing with much more compassion about how we're all together in this world. We are also seeing where the imagination and the creative energy that we're holding needs to be coming down the funnel into the expression of the physical realm. And the, the retrogrades are, are going to help us with that Mercury in specific. And we've also been talking about this for a long time where, you know, it's time to bring into reality to the physical earth, the planet, these spiritual concepts that we all know are a part of who we are. So grounding that in. So we get this longer period of time uh, for that to, to really come home. And uh, the reason I was looking up the fixed stars this morning in the first place is I thought, oh, I wonder if there's a fixed star there. And there is. And it's one that I know nothing about. So I'm going to have to explore that a bit for you. The fixed star is called Markov, Markab. And I did, I have this book called Star and Planet Combinations by Bernadette Brady. And I did see that Markov was one of the, um, Yeah, it's one of the uh, it's one of the stars in the book, and it's in the constellation of Pegasus, so it has a mythological quality to it right away. Right, I just feel there's this mythology here that's uh, present because the Pegasus was you know a mythological creature, Uh, you know the winged horse. So excuse me. So when you look at the the key words, some of the key words here about are about bringing stability. So I don't know birthing a mythology and bringing stability to the mythology. I don't know, but I will find more and more on that for you as well over the next couple of days that we meet here. So anyway, um, that that's a good part of what's happening for the early days of uh, our transit through uh, April or a month of April. Later, as we get into mid-month, Mars will move into Pisces. So we see Venus move in there on the 5th and then Mars on the 14th, but Venus is getting faster and faster and moving. So they're in a separation mode. Um, Then we have the full moon on the 16th of the month, the full moon in Libra. And I learned something really interesting about Libra the other day. I'll have to go back through my notes and see what I learned about Libra. And then we also have, of course, the sun moving into Taurus. Taking us into the Taurus part of the year, and uh, Mercury will enter Gemini at the end of the month as well, and then the new moon solar eclipse. And then the new moon solar eclipse. Uh, I don't think this is a this isn't a coronal uh, or an annular eclipse. I believe this is a partial solar eclipse, but this is a North Node eclipse which means that the sun is closest to the north node rather than the south node. So it gives direction. It gives purpose to our our life path trajectory. And on that day, I, the most benevolent thing I think can, that can happen is Venus being in a conjunction to Jupiter. So we have a new moon, solar eclipse, on the day that jupiter and venus meet together the two benefic planets coming together signals some good news signals some new some new direction perhaps i mean that is a new moon a new direction that holds a lot of benefits for us um, for us all so that is happening at 10 degrees of taurus so wherever that is in your astrology chart is the area of your life that stands to gain from the benefic of the, well, uh, the benefic energy of these two planets. So, and actually Venus will conjunct Jupiter um, probably before the new moon eclipse, actually. So they're kind of like one after the other. That's even better. And it's like the sustained uh, new beginning, a a sustained benefic day uh, for us that literally um, might be It could be difficult for some people. Sometimes new beginnings are difficult because you know we want to go all in, but a beginning is a seed planting. And it might not be like this new beginning where I'm walking into this new world and I'm just embracing it all, but it might be the seed that got planted. So watch for that. It might not be the whole enchilada. It could just be the seed that I'm planting at the end of this month that is going to bear fruit uh, as time unfolds, right. Mm, mm, mm. And let's look at human design real quickly. And then I'm going to pull a couple of cards for us for the week. I will be with you by the way, on Wednesday, Tam will not be with us, however. Um, and partly uh, there's just something big going on in her family that she has to be very present for. And, uh, I didn't want to have to make her come on, uh, and take time away from that. So, uh, Wednesday I will be on air in the morning, but without Tam, I will also be on air in the afternoon on Wednesday, actually five o'clock my time, because now we're at that time of year where it pushes me clear to the end of the day to be on air with um, Annette McCoy, uh, the Angel Heart Radio. And you just go to Facebook, Angel Heart Radio, um, Facebook page, we broadcast live there. And um, on Friday, I will be out of town, so I won't be here on Friday. So don't look for me on Friday. All right anyway, uh, also happening this same week, the fifth through the 10th is the next human design week. Remember we have the earth moving through the spleen. So our shadow energies, our fears are sort of there for us to see, (laughs) for us to have to deal with the, um, the fear or the shadow energy coming up for this next week is going to be about listening to our intuition or our instinct or taking action from fear rather than listening to our intuition. Now, if your intuition speaks and says, move your butt out of the way, listen. <laughs> but if your intuition is saying, no, there you know there's nothing to worry about, remember your intuition doesn't keep coming back and telling you this time after time, it speaks once and then it's done, right? So listen to your intuition. That's going to be the the key. It is also the week the sun is in the gate of shock, the gate 51. So that makes me wonder about what kinds of surprises we might have during this next week, this week, this week, not next week, this week and what kinds of upsets there might be. But also, you know, shock isn't just about the negative. It could be surprises that are really positive and exciting. So we're going to watch for that as an initiation into moving closer to spirit, but also listening more and more to our inner voices. But we also have Jupiter and Uranus changing gates this week. Maybe we'll take a look more at that deeply on Wednesday when we're together. Jupiter moving into the gate 36 on the 7th, which is Thursday. And the gate 36 is a restless gate. It's on the emotional center, and it can be, you know, experiences that we have out of restlessness and boredom. And then Uranus also changing on the 8th, so Friday, into the gate two. We've already had the experience of Uranus at gate two, and uh, it was the experience of. Allowing, allowing ourselves to be receiving, being in reception, being in the more feminine space of receptivity. So that's all coming up this week as well. So good, it's a great month. It's a really great month, but there's just a a couple of little bumps along the way, as there always is. Um, all right. So let's see. I think this morning I want to draw. Hi, Kathleen Mallory. Good to see you, and uh, I, I think that's what I want to do. I'm going to draw us a. I kind of want to draw us a galactic heritage card. That's this deck and a dragon. So I keep, I always think that I want to draw an animal card, but it just doesn't want, didn't want to come out of my mouth, but dragon did. So let's first get a galactic heritage card. This is the deck by Lissa Royal Holt. Did I say that right? Yeah, Royal Holt. She also wrote the book, The Prism of Lyra. And uh, that's a book that will start you taking a galactic journey, understanding how humans came about. And, um, you know, we're made up of the stars. We say that all the time, right? We're made of the things that stars are made of, but literally we are. And So today I, we get Vega, the present Vega in the present, uh, alone time. That's cool. So here's the card Vega 25, which is a seven, seven is a pretty spiritual number, right? Spiritual. It's, um, very introspective. It's study studious. So we have a really good energy here. Vega from what I've learned was uh, a star system that was very, uh, is a star, Vega is the star. So So when we're talking about a star like Vega, we don't have people living on the, that star, but the planets that are associated with the star. So, you know, Earth is a planet associated with our sun, right? The star of our galaxy or of our, our solar system. So Vega would have been the star of the vegan system and the planets that would have been associated with vega is where life would have been not on the star itself and of course it could be in various dimensions it doesn't always have to be in the 3d dimension that we're talking about but we're talking about vega of the present so i'm telling you that they're not presently in the physical 3d world so they are you know in some other you know sort of dimensional um association and the vegans were a part or a group that were very spiritual inclined like they they believed in the path of service to selflessness right so service to the whole the path of service so their lessons were you know they were out of balance because they didn't encapsulate the physical side you know that the service of self had to be in balance with the service to the whole And so their journey, their evolutionary journey, had a lot to do with embracing some of the more uh, physical of of the planets, of their planets. So ancient vegans were solitary beings. They often spent large amounts of time alone in quiet contemplation as a way to remain centered so that they had enough energy to be of service to their community. In current times, most people don't create the space to have this alone time that is so very vital to their well-being. Take a look at your need for this essential quiet time alone. Give it to yourself, not only for rest or activities that recharge you, but to look deep within yourself and work on your inner challenges. This is a fundamental need of all humans. This need can no longer be ignored. The commentary is reality on earth today can be very chaotic, filled with multiple distractions from family, home, and work. That also goes in alignment with our Channel 4323 that is activated by the north node and the south node, with the north node being at the gate 23, which is about simplification, right? Breaking down the complex into its most important parts. These distractions can also be played out through our emotions, whereby our emotional states keep us distracted from our true internal essence. This is why stilling practices like meditation and yoga serve very important functions. They help us still our minds so we can see our true connection to the universe and the true nature of our consciousness. Every human needs time alone, not to distract themselves with games or TV, but to go deep within and cultivate an intimate relationship with our true selves. The vegans were very solitary beings who recognized this essential need. If this card comes up in a reading, you cannot ignore this inner need any longer. Settle your mind and re-establish connection with your inner self. This is really not negotiable. Without this commitment, spiritual evolution becomes extremely difficult. This is a key to the next stage of human evolution. If you've already spent, if you already spend a large amount of time alone doing spiritual practices, this card may also be giving you the message that this alone time must be balanced with time out in the physical world with other humans as well. So a message to us from the vegans to bring in balance between our physical and our spiritual selves. All right. And I know my clock just told me it was nine, but let's pull a dragon nonetheless and see what fiery, passionate energy of dragons we can take with us <laughs> this week. Ooh, they want to be mixed up really good. And we have an emerald green, a green dragon helps you tune into the secrets of nature. So I see this is pulling us out into the physical world as well. So the green dragon, and it says, receive answers and guidance from nature. Align with your divine essence. You are a child of nature, right? And of spirit. So let's see what the green dragon says. Got to figure out what dimension he's in too. Green is a fifth dimensional dragon and that'll be fun. So all answers lie within nature and every single thing we need while on earth is provided for us in the natural world. Fifth dimensional green dragons touch our psychic centers and help us to tune in to the sacred geometry in the trunks of trees, the petals of flowers, the shells of snails, and everywhere in Master Pan's kingdom. These are the keys and codes that bring us into tune with our divine essence. When we are fully aligned with our fifth dimensional blueprint, we are automatically whole and healed. The nature kingdom is a magical place in which all our answers are held for us luminous green dragons help us to read these answers. So if you can sit quietly in nature, call a green dragon and ask for guidance. The response may come to you consciously or unconsciously. So accept that something important has been activated within you, whether you are aware of it or not. You may feel the need to walk somewhere particular. If so, follow this impulse for your green dragon will be guiding you. Keep your eyes and ears open for the answer may come through a tree, a bird, like a cardinal, um, an insect or an animal, some other animal entirely. Your green dragon will glide with you, directing you to the answer you need. This calls for deep trust and an understanding that the divine plan is perfect. Drawing this card also suggests that you would benefit by spending more time in the green world. Your green dragon will be with you. So acknowledge it and let it touch you with its wisdom and great knowledge. Expect revelations or healing. That's a great card too. So the green dragon is with us this week as well. Yay. All right, everybody, that is it for me. Uh, I hope you all have a great day. Thank you so much for being here this morning, if you're still here and you haven't yet done so, please hit the thumbs up button. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, hit the like. Please feel free to share your video, the video, with people in your networks. I will see you Wednesday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. East Coast. Much love to all of you. Bye for now.